you know, like, you know, like, I don't know how to say it, but like, you know, it just came out of nowhere to the scene. Then like, you know, there's always going to be some sort of resistance right. going to happen. I think like, you know, that's sort of kind of same over here too. Like, you know, when new music come out, like for example, the dubstep, like, you know, when it came out, like, you know, a lot of people had a resistance, like, you know, trying to appreciate it like south park park even had an episode about like, i had a tough time <laughs> like, <laughs> liking dubstep yeah it was well, like everything is it. not for everybody <laughs> right but um tatsuro he's not like he, he he's from tokyo specifically mm-hmm. right so when he came on the scene did anyone like know who he was like was he obviously he started with sugar babe but uh, was he educated in Tokyo too? Like, what's what's his upbringing? Do you know anything about well, that? and he he, he kind of considered himself as a nerd, and he really liked a lot of Western culture. He, he loved American movies and uh, model planes, and he loved obviously loved uh, American music. He loved um, Brian Wilson from Beach Boys a lot. He loved James Brown. I think. Like, you know, during, when he was young, I think Beatles was really popular, but like, you know, I, he was more, he had a little bit more American taste. Like, I think a lot of, even Japanese rock bands, like Rolling Stone and Beatles, like, you know, I think, even the United States too, like, you know, I think they had a lot of influence from the British rock, but like, I think uh, Yamashita Tatsuro-san really liked American music specifically and mm-hmm. um, but like you know uh it's pretty funny like he, he he started off as a drummer when he was in middle school and, and he played drums and before sugar babes actually sugar babes this was the first band that he started playing guitar and singing before that he was actually a drummer uh but like you know he didn't think he had a talent but he wanted to work in a music field so and he actually Sort of kind of dropped off, but uh, was able to graduate high school and he got into college one year after. So in Japan, you have to pass an exam to get into the uh, college. He didn't pass the exam, so he, stud- he, he had to wait one year and he took the exam again next following year and he wanted to major in uh, music publishing and copyright law. and. He thought he's gonna be a uh, like a somebody working behind the scene, but uh, he ended up forming a band, legendary band called Sugar, Sugar Babe. Babe. That was his like first serious band that he ever did, mm-hmm. and within a year, they released the album songs produced by Otaki Ichi San and he's like a legend in, and like in the rest of the rest of the history. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Taco Onuki came out of that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's uh, that was a legendary band for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, for them to get booed, like it's almost like comic. Looking back, um, and I think mm-hmm. I forgot who was it, but some other. So it was a, a really famous, I guess, popular blues um, artist uh, who's Japanese who kind of told Tatsuro after he got booed, like, "Hey, the Westerners seem to like it, so don't worry." Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of like uh, an interesting huh. tidbit. Yeah. Huh. So like if that person didn't say that to him, maybe mm-hmm. he didn't. Right? Who knows? That we know. Maybe that was what set him uh-huh. off on this, you know, uh, legendary, uh, you know, discography that he's created. I right. mean, uh, he's had like how many albums? Seventeen studio albums, two live albums, compilations, over forty singles. Mm-hmm. You know, he's one of the most successfully commercial Japanese male solo recording artists in history. Mm. Um, so that in itself speaks volumes. And I mean, you can't help but when you hear his music, uh, you know, kind of be moved by it because he's uh, almost like a master of emotion. Even for people who don't know Japanese, I've had people come up to me during my DJ sets and tell me how like they've heard uh, one of his albums and they were so moved that it, it changed their life. So that is so powerful and it speaks a lot to how music can kind of transcend language right. barriers. Right. Yeah. Well, like, you know, his music is no doubt has a work put into it. 
there's a quality to it. Like, you know, there's something to be said about, like, well, like, you know, maybe it's not a good example, but like, Hayao Miyazaki, like, people who don't like Japanese anime can appreciate, like, in his movie. Like, I think I mentioned Miyazaki from last episode as well, but like, you know, if it's a good work, if there's a work put into it, and if there's an emotion put into it, like, you know, it, it translates culture and language, and, like, you know, it touches, it can touch people's heart. Right. I completely agree. And Yamashita-sama, I mean, he approaches his music, you know, with, like, he's almost like a tradesman. He's very skilled. It's very calculated. Yes. Um, and, you know, while it's not revolutionary, uh, it's it's almost just really comfortable in the way it's made. It's almost made to sound very, uh, like, homey, like, very familiar. Like, you could just listen to it mm-hmm. and not like be at all like threatened or uh you right. know uh, any sort of like discomforted mm-hmm. well like he he wanted to he <laughs> i think he's he he even be, even before he formed sugar Bays, i think he's approaching music in a really cynical perspective he wanted to major in you know music publishing and copyright law and all that like he's already thinking about how can i make music how can i make money making music like really well like you know that's why you like you know he 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 he, that's don't don't you think because like you know he's like well i don't have a talent Mm -hmm. and like you know so like you know probably i'm not gonna make living doing music so like instead of like trying hard performing like you know i'm gonna work in the behind the scene world mm-hmm. and i'm gonna study copyright law music publishing that's like how you can make money mm. so like you know he, like you know but he so he's really calculated but like you know everything like you know everything homing and all that feeling is, is like i think it's by design like you know he, he studies music theory and he studies like music so hard like he knows it's almost like a magic trick right like you don't really know what's happening but like you know it can trigger your heart like you know you don't he knows how to create that like he knows a formula to make people's feeling like a mood yes like 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 he's like a he's like a mood master yes he's like the master of that Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and his lyricism especially Mm -hmm. like the early lyricism uh when translated you start to get the picture that He's almost like a poetic, uh, not a specific message, but more of just like Mm -hmm. themes and like almost like stage propping lyrics just to sound really nice. Yes. Yeah. Like uh, I was reading his interview article from uh, HMV. HMV is a big record store store in Japan. Record stores are still a thing in Japan. Like the Tower Records is still around. Oh yeah, Disc Union. Disc Union. And HMV is one of the major uh, record store in in Japan. Uh, I remember the last store in Chicago closed, uh, the Tower Records in Chicago. Kids these days probably don't even know what Tower Records is. Right. (laughs) Exactly. It's like a... I don't want to say blockbuster, but like you know, it was like, you know it was like a, it was like a big as as big as blockbuster. Like yeah. the difference was like you know Tower Records, you buy the records and exactly. borrowing it. But anyway, uh, oh yeah, so we were talking about the HMV interview. So I, I read the article from the HMV interview that he did like a couple years ago uh, because he released a um he made a record for some anime i i forgot which anime it was uh it's one of those summer uh, wars no it, it, it was a movie after summer wars mm-hmm. he, he same director actually hired him but anyway so like when he released as uh son he did an interview with the hmv uh store uh with the website the official website of the hmv store and he was talking about in his thir- 20s and 30s he was talking his lyrics was more like a scenery or like you know like a simple story uh or like from his life experience or um story that he heard from his friends and whatnot so like you know, it didn't have a direct message um but it, it he it was more vague instead of sending a direct message because um 
You know, there, when you say something is direct, people can translate things differently. So instead of like giving people this is this is how things should be, uh, like or like you need to try hard with your life. You need to believe in yourself. Like those kind of direct message. He kind of wanted to, to just write a song that's more like a scenery. Mm. Mm. Does that seem like uh, that's almost like a typical uh, a Japanese characteristic of like aimai speech of just like being vague and not uh. being direct and uh, that sort of thing? Because that, that, that seems like it ties into that not wanting to be like assertive, almost just... Uh, not being yeah. around the bush, but being uh, like uh, insinuating things. Yeah, well, like, you know, in Japan, they say there's a saying called Kukyo uh, Yomu. Like, the direct translation is read the air. So, like, you kind of need to, like, instead of, like, you, sometimes words are limited. So, you know, sometimes you need to understand the context of the setting and like the, the facial expression and like you know, there's something more unspoken. Than, and yes, yeah, I, I think I think that's something that he wanted to do instead of like giving people a direct message. You know, he wanted to, you know, write a lyrics that's more like a scenery instead of like you know, clear message. Mm-hmm. And, and like so, like you know, he wanted people to like you know translate it, however people wanted to translate it. Yeah, that's I mean that's true artistry to be able to do that because mm. not that many people can, you know, um, use themes and words in ways that are more like poetry. And that's kind of why to me he's like the Japanese Tom York because Tom York's lyrics are kind of I mean if you translate mm. like a couple of his uh, of um, Tatsuro songs you kind of see that Tom York and him have uh, lyrical qualities that uh, reflect each other so yeah. they're almost like the same kind of they characteristics use, like, they, they love big words and yeah. like you know like pretty words too for pretty words yes yeah sure for sure like you know the words that's like fun to Say, say out loud, loud. Yeah, yeah, shit, for sure. That's and that's really that. That's a mark of you know very um, impressive uh, understanding of language and tone, and um, and mm-hmm. especially Tapsro had such a good understanding of like chorus and vocal harmonies mm-hmm. and nuanced color. Like he could create movement in his compositions, and that would that would work with the lyrics. And anyone who's a fan of his music can attest to that. Like his music speaks volumes without you know having to say anything it's 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 an amazing characteristic of his music and it i think it's a, a unique quality mm. i think so too well should we talk about the rec his records his yeah. discography yeah, his first yeah. six records that's that's definitely something that uh, I, I would love to talk about um you want to start with circus town circus town well i, I think that's my favorite, most favorite album. Like, you know, I mean, I love all his album, but like, you know, it's kind of funny because we were talking about this earlier that like, you, you, like, you know, Circus Town, you think it's a little bit too Western, but like, you know, I, 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 I like it. There's something like authentic, Western authenticity and like, you know, Japanese like quality, like, you know, meets in the middle kind of thing. And I really like it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the music, pro- the producers and musician that all played behind this record is all like American musician. He recorded in New York and LA. And my favorite record is funny enough it's the title song circus down like i like the how he starts off with the circus music <laughs> yeah. like you know but That's like cute. you know but like you know he he, he he hear that familiar melody but like you know, he's putting like a really nice like a home like almost hopeful like like in like chords behind it and like you know it's like you know when you just hear that like you know that melody like you know it's it's silly but like you know he he puts like the mood that like you know makes that silly melody beautiful and like you know i i think and the record that he made before this was sugar babe song like like you know that the down, the like you know, down down like you know he it's the same person 
the road downtown starts with the like you know the famous circus melody and like it puts like the huge orchestra like you know that's like whoa like, you yeah. know is this he, is this even the same person mm-hmm. yeah that i mean that album uh it's funny that you uh it's your favorite because whenever you speak to anyone in the west mm-hmm. like that is usually something that they uh circus town is something that they usually don't uh kind of bring up only because probably like you said the majority of the producers and the arrangers they're all american so it has a very western uh sound to it mm-hmm. and that is uh probably why some people aren't attracted to it in the right. west as much because you know we're, we're in the west people already right. ha- have that kind of sound in their minds already right, so right, they're right, looking right, for right. more japanese interpretation right and i think uh, my favorite song on this album is windy lady and i, I i'm not mm. being biased because we're in chicago and it's about mm. it's about chicago windy lady yeah but because it's, it's more of his too. interpretation mm. of you know chicago mm. uh like uh like chicago soul almost music right, right. the stepper music like you know i I, I I love Windy Lady as well. Like you know, that's probably my. It's right up Circus Town, but like I I love Windy Lady as well. Like is, I I worked a lot, like last past few years, the few 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 years. Like I worked with local Chicago R and B people, and like you know, it definitely like you know I I've encountered and like come came across some of the music that kind of sounds like those, his. Windy Lady song and like yeah like you know I love that song mm. too like it's really yeah yeah like you know Chicago I I can see why people oh yeah people from Chicago love that song I mean it, it's a beautiful song Windy Lady he wrote the lyrics himself and um you know it, it it talks about a city and I think this is where the whole city pop thing comes into play because uh, that album it's divided between two sides the first side is New York side mm-hmm. which is a really like jazzy 16 beat style and on the other side is the LA style which is more like free form so it's almost like the city pop thing was you know uh, you know it's pioneered by him and it's carried over in the themes that he uh, kind of set into motion with Circus Town right I think that album needed to happen to like you know the later the Tatsuro Yamashita to happen. Oh yeah, for sure. And um you know the uh the uh, the art direction of that that uh that uh, album cover uh Kenichi Saito. He he worked with Minako mm-hmm. Yoshida a lot and right. we haven't talked about her but she's uh-huh. you know she's an influence Right. On uh, this and uh, so many other albums of right. his, that won't, and now we're gonna move into 1977 because Circus Town was was it 1976 or no? Was it? I think yeah. Circus Town was 1976. So uh, as we move into mm-hmm. 1977, we have Spacey. Spacey, which is probably. Uh, I'm going to say uh, my second favorite album from him. I mean, there's so many good ones, but this one specifically, it has, you know, it, it has a, a specific sound that mm-hmm. um, starting to become almost more mainstream, uh, mm-hmm. like a departure from uh, Circus Town, because this one is mostly all Japanese yes. uh, producers, right? It, it's all Japanese producer, but like, you know, when I didn't, before I... I started reading into Wikipedia and like go on interweb and started researching about this record. Like I, like, you know, I saw like, you know, same musician that worked on Circus Town worked on this record too, but like, no, like, you know, he, he, after he finished Circus Town, he bought the score from uh, what's his name? Uh, the Ch- Mr. Chandler, the producer from Circus Town. He 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 studied it for like one year, and he learned how to score orchestra and horn section after, in one year, and he made Amazing. this record. <laughs> like uh, like Mr. Ch- Chandler, like only worked on like one song, Stekina uh, Gokowa. No, 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 like, I don't think it was that one, but, like, he, he worked on one of the song, but, like, you know, rest, it was Oyamashita Tatsuro-san. Right, and this is, you know, when he was just getting back from America, I mean, this is one year directly after Circus Town. Yes. So he's, like, you know, he had all, everything he learned uh, from working on Circus Town, he brought it back with him from 
to, to Japan and, he, you know, he was working again with uh, all of the uh, people that would become, you know, staples in the scene. You right. Know? Ryuchi Sakamoto was on this. Yes. Hiroshi Seto was on keyboards. Right. Uh, and, of course, Minako Yoshida was doing backup, right. backup vocals and the lyrics. Um, I mean, it, it's a really standout album. Right. And, you know, Kenji Omura was on that and he's an amazing guitarist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, you know... He- this album, he basically kind of recreated, re, not recreated, but like, you know, the thing that he learned from making Circus Down, he kind of recreated, did it his own take almost. Because he hired two different bands. Like, you know, one band was to do Sakamoto on a keyboard, and he had a different band, depending on which song he was working on. Like, you know, he switched the rhythm section and recorded this uh, uh, a record like you know so he had like you know t- two different bands working on this record oh yeah i mean and you can tell uh, i mean for me it, it's it's a big departure from circus town i like it you know i i know that you love circus town but uh, i love spacey only because i love spacey I, too huh? you had you hear the japanese like our you know musicianship uh, and artistry and uh you, you get a good feel for it and uh, I, I think it's so well produced it's so amazing mm-hmm. and my favorite song on this one uh it, it has to be love space come on what yes. about you yeah well yeah like you know it's a great opening like you know yeah. you, you know it's kind of funny like you know usually like artists cannot really like if they have a grandiose entrance they cannot really top that but like you know yamashita tatsuro-san he, he like you know, he did it twice in a row. Yeah, and uh, I, well, it's, it's for, especially for Love Space itself, and that was uh-huh. the lyrics were written by um, Minako Yoshida. Mm-hmm. So I mean, she's been the kind of underlying influence um, yes. for a lot of Tatsuro's right. most famous songs. Right. I think she goes like uncredited. Well, she's credited before, but mm-hmm. for people who know about his music, sometimes she gets neglected. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and also she, I think she did the lyrics for Solid Slider. Uh, don't get me wrong, but I think that's, she wrote those as well. Mm. Um, and Solid Slider is probably my second favorite song on Spacey. Right. Uh, I think like, when it comes to like lyrics, he de- definitely <laughs> took a lot from like Yoshida Minako because the, his later lyrics, I think like from for you was it like you know he started to write his own lyrics, uh, but like I'm, I might be wrong, but like you know later he just becomes like he starts to write his own lyrics too. Right. Yeah. You know like <laughs> that's you know you see the pattern here like you yeah. know once he learns something he wants to do it himself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're so right about that because you know after for you we're, we're gonna talk about for you eventually, mm. but after for you you know he I think big wave is after for you. Mm. And there's a definite, you know, you can kind of tell from the lyrics there's uh, there's something different. And it's not bad, for sure. But uh, mm-hmm. it's a definitely departure from For You because, uh, well, we'll talk about For You in a minute. But after Spacey, this is 1977. Mm-hmm. We're now going to move into 1978, mm-hmm. which is Go, Go Ahead. ahead. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, this, this album, uh, it, it's another one that's really neglected whenever you talk to a big uh-huh. city pop fan. Mm-hmm. They never say this is their favorite album. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, you know, there's some classic stuff on yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, follow me along is my favorite. Really? Yeah. Yeah, like and it has a really nice catchy melody. Mm-hmm. I love that one and Bomber. Bomber's Bomber is my favorite song on this album. Mm-hmm. It has that Isley Brothers like really hard funk. Mm-hmm. Uh it's it's an amazing track and I think it's a standout track. Uh-huh. Um uh, Less Dance Baby is also uh, an right. amazing song on this one. Well, like you know, this album is really interesting because I think like Circus Town and Spacey is really epic record. Like you know, there's orchestra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know, Spacey he even has a song. And like you know, it's just piano and him singing. But like you know, he he realized it was like really hard to recreate these records live. Mm-hmm. And like go this uh, go ahead album, he kind of went stepped back a little bit and went back to his like origin like you know more like a band sound right like in more folky kind of sound mm-hmm. there's and, almost a little bit of a chicago like r&b reminiscent yes like, like a little bit know, curtis mayfield in, yes in paper doll especially mm-hmm. i think like you know he kind of wanted to like 
take like you take like what you can do as a band to like the next level because the musician skill is definitely like a step up from how Sugar Babe was, and like you know, I think he wanted to make something that he can play this live and have fun. Like you know, this is the, the album that like you know that's how I feel. Like you yeah. know, he's starting to like he has like like maybe not that much for the kids these days now but like you know there's some like hard-hitting songs in this song right i mean in this album rather like you know bomber oh yeah bomber anytime i play that song like people mm. just go crazy mm. and um you know I, I can tell uh because you know I, I read a lot about the album and and apparently you know sales of the previous albums weren't really going as like they thought they would no. so it's a little bit of uh like oh my god what are we gonna do so you can kind of tell that he's trying to work with uh like styles uh that are a little bit more uh palatable to the west uh and bomber i think is is the standout track for this one and it's co-written by of course minako yoshida right right he started the like this is like you know his beginning of his like funk groovy feel like i think spacey and circus town it almost has like a little bit of Marvin Gaye, Motown kind of by like you oh, know yeah. it's a little it's a little bit more like you know be, like you know before he started to get into the the city pop form that we all know it it was a little bit more of like a R and B right soul by yeah he has like that uh, well before you know the start of the eighties he had that like dreamy American pop sixties almost like doo wop a uh, blue eyed soul kind yes, of yes you know righteous brothers young rascals mm-hmm. it was really folksy but uh, you know groovy at the same time yes. And like you know, go ahead. Like you know, he he started to find a like a groovy territory that you can create with like the band form, like two guitars and keyboard and the horn, the tiny horn section and keyboard and drums. Like you know, that kind of form that like the band that you can make the floor dance. Basically, like I think mm-hmm. this is his like beginning of the city pop down of the city pop maybe mm-hmm. oh yeah i think that that uh, you know uh, go ahead is when he went ahead and started really creating city pop uh and like setting the formula for it and that paves the way for 1977 i'm sorry no 1979 <laughs> nice, 1979 um and, and it's crazy that he released an album almost every year and they, they were right. all so good yeah. So Moon Glow is yes. 1979, and mm. and that's another one of my favorite all-time favorite records, and and that's one that a lot of city pop fans know about. Right. And they'll tell you right off the bat, like Moon Glow, mm. yeah, Funky Flushing, is so well known, right? Right. Yeah, and like, I mean, like you know, A and the Full Moon, Ray, Rainy Walk, Let's Kiss the Sun. Like you know, there's a lot of great songs from this album and like you know he he just and this is this is a time like he, disco was getting really popular in japan you know like in clubs they 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 called it disco back in the day but like you know this is this is a time like japan started to op- open up clubs in tokyo and stuff oh really yeah and so like you know he like the, the not 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 like the club scene from like you know like how Chicago was doing, but like like you know they called it disco back in the day, but like you know they were they they had a dance floor, then DJ were playing like awesome. groovy music. This is like you know that around the time that like you know that was starting to happen. Yeah, it, it makes a little sense too because Moonglow the album. I mean, it mm-hmm. has it has a really trendy almost disco funk vibe mm-hmm. that you can tell was contemporary for the time. I mm. mean, you can tell that people were really um, into this around, I mean, 1979. I mean, that that, that was like a year probably that, this, that disco peaked, uh, I, I guess in my opinion. Mm. At least. I mean, I, I mean I, that's before my time. But I, from what I know, I know 1979 was kind of like mm. you know, probably the height of the disco sound. Right. And like, you know, even like in Chicago, that's like, you know, in 1980s, that's when house music started to happen, and 
Chicago House didn't happen if it wasn't for disco music. Exactly. They, they right. wanted to recreate disco with the synthesizers and drum machines. And like, you know, this is like, you know, this album was came out like when all that stuff was like, you know, starting to like, you know, blow up, blow up in the US. Like, you know, so like they released this, like, you know, it, it's it's kind of funny, like you know, because music music scene in Japan now is kind of its own thing. Like you know, rock bands are so popular. It's like really completely remote from how it is in American music scene. But like around this time, Japanese music was like in line with what was going on in the Western scene. And like you know, it's. Like you know, when this record was released, like disco was still popular. Like disco dem, I for I forgot disco demolition. Do you, do you know about disco demolition? Like, oh yeah, yeah like, I you mean know. in Chicago, I think uh, everyone knows about disco yeah, demolition. Like if you if you're a music lover, yeah, I mean that's the day uh, you know disco officially died, but it never yeah, died. It, it was, never died. Never died. That, that still happened like today. That, that happened year after. So like you know, so one year after Yamashita Tatsuro made this record <laughs> disco demolition happened oh, wow. that's crazy <laughs> and a year later that's when house music happened uh -huh. so. yeah i mean uh, it's it, it, that was a really pivotal time for music in general and that reflected in japan as well so i mean it's almost like poetic that he you know almost picked up on it right before it you know you know the disco demolition happened. I, right. I think that's really pivotal. But I mean, you can tell that Moonglow, especially, a lot of it is based on the success of Bomber, especially Funky Flushin', which um, is probably my favorite song on this mm. album. Funky Flushin'. I remember mean, everybody knows it. Remember Mikasan covered it? Oh, uh, yeah, we were in. A, and you know what? She covered it here in Chicago. And yes. then when I DJed in Tokyo at Cafe Again in uh, Shinagawa, uh -huh. she uh, played it with a live band, like a full band. They Whoa. had a trumpet. It. They had like a keyboard, they had like two guitarists, it was two backup vocalists. Mm. And one of the backup vocalists that she was working with mm. was actually a backup vocalist for Minako Yoshida. So, and I mean, and the owner of Cafe again in Shinagawa is like really good friends with Eichi um, uh, Otaki. And Eichi Otaki had played there multiple times. Right, right, right. This is a club that you, were ta you talked about. Right. Shout out to Mika-san, by the Mika -san. way. Mika-san. Yeah, like, she, she did the ending song. Oh, she like, did. She, she, she gave us a permission to let us yeah. use her song as our ending. Yeah. Shout out Mika -san, to Mika-san. Arigato. Arigato. Arigato gozaimasu. <laughs> Yeah, and I mm -hmm. yeah I can't wait to see her. Yeah, we're gonna bring her back next year to Chicago, so we should definitely <laughs> come and see her yes. if she's here. Um, if so we, if we can bring her back, <laughs> hopefully. I mean, you know, we we, we have to hope. Um, so uh, yeah, a standout track that's mostly in English uh, is "Touch Me Lightly," which a lot of people know. Um, and then, you know, it's a, like a ballad and mm -hmm. uh, there's, um, you know, a British lyricist who kind of worked on that mm -hmm. named Chris Mazdo. And uh, he worked on the lyrics with Tatsuro and uh, Chris Mazdo, he's more known for his work with Yellow Magic Orchestra. Uh -huh. And the funny thing is that, you know, you know who else worked on Moon Glow? It was Hosono mm -hmm. and um, uh, Takahashi. So uh, it's like he also followed up with them and like he, uh, you know, kind of made roots with that band. And YMO is another band we're going to be talking about yes. really soon. Right. So as that, we kind of kind of come to a close on uh, Moonglow. We bring up the 1980 record. Right on which time. Which was right on time. Right on time. Mm -hmm. Well, that title song, Right on Time, everybody should know at this point. <laughs> Right. If you don't know right on time, you're, right. you're not on time. <laughs> <laughs> not right. right. Um, oh, that's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it's it's probably one of the biggest city pop songs there's ever been. Like everybody knows it. It's it's a banger. It's 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 just amazing. It's a mm. continuation of that bomber funky flushing. Uh, like formula where um, these are just like they have driving rhythms right like the, the song just moves right well like after Moonglow you know he started to like you know play shows with the guys that made record and this this album right on time he had a chemistry with all the backup musicians that played on like Moonglow and toured with so mm, like you know mm. this is like the like he 
he, he, the band and him, Yamashita Tatsuro san, they, they were all like in sync. They, they were like on time, basically. <laughs> like, right. He had Jun uh, Aoyama and uh, Koki Ito with him, which was, I think they carried over from some of the last albums. And yes. He finally had like a good direction to go in because he's, right. you know, he's familiar with his band now. Right. So he knew what everyone was capable of and he can right. kind of like execute his vision now. Right, right, right. And you can tell because that that song, Right On Time, it was like, it was, wasn't it in like a commercial in Japan? Yes. It was a um, the Maxwell tape commercial. Cassette tape? C- cassette tape, commercial cassette tape. That's awesome. Man. And right on time itself was like, what, number something in Oricon? Number three on Oricon. So, so that kind of propelled him into like a stardom. Well, like, you know, on a weekly chart, like, I guess like it hit number one at one point. Really? Yeah. I mean, why? Uh, if it didn't, I'd be surprised because, I mean, that's... That's an incredible song. Mm. The lyrics uh, too. I mean, and um, these lyrics, I think they were arranged. Was it? Was did Yoshida Minako work on these too? Because I have a feeling she did. Well, like you know, right on time. No, like a lot of the, the lyrics from this album, he did it by himself. Actually, really? yeah. I mean, like you know, he 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 hired Yoshida Minako san again in the next in the next al- album but like you know, he this is the first album he actually r- wrote it like in, all by himself yeah like he so it, but like you know he 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 was kind of iffy about it mm-hmm. so like you know, he hired Yoshida Minako san like you know um like he he always had like a little clear like he he had a little complex with his like lyric writing. Like you know, people always like you know praise him for his music production. You know, mm-hmm. you know like he was even even when his record wasn't selling. Like you know, a lot of advertisement company were hiring him to write music for commercials. So like you know, even though he wasn't like a hit maker as a pop artist, like you know, he was making living doing commercials so like people praise him for like his capability as a music producer but like in he, he always had like a like you know little like you know complex feeling about he, he wasn't sh- sure he was always second guessing his capability was his lyrics writing but like right, right on time he tried it and write it all by himself but like you know i guess like he went back hiring Yoshida Minako-san at For You record, but but like right on time, yeah. Th- this is the like th- this kind of like you know catapulted him to like the major artist. Like before, uh, right on time, like it's a, he was he was like a musician's musician, like people who loved music, not pe- not not people who like listen to music casually knew his existence but like you know the right uh, this record right on time kind of made him into like a top major artist yeah roster basically i mean it's it's clear when you hear the entire if you hear the record in its entirety this is a record that is like probably one of the uh like the definition of city poppy because you have songs that are just so like i mean it's a good mixture of his previous works silent screamer carries on that uh, bomber and funky flushing mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing as well. And then you have Daydream. Right. And Someday, I mean, I, almost every song on this album is just amazing. It's 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 the definition of like a masterpiece to me, I think. Oh boy, I think I messed up. <laughs> no, I read the Wikipedia wrong. I think Yoshida Minako-san wrote... Did Right On Time? No, like, no, Right On Time was... Yamashita Tatsuro-san, but like, you know, a lot of Itsuka, Daydream, Silent Screamer. I love Silent she, Screamer. She did, oh yeah, yeah, Silent Screamer. Yeah. It's, it's her work. I mean, yeah. you can and tell. My Sugar Bay was Yamashita Tatsuro. And, right. and yeah. obviously a tribute to And like, you know, Oyasumi, Goodnight. But like, you know, def- for sure, definitely, like, you know, this record, like, you know, he wrote a lot of, like, in lyrics more than he did with his past records. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean, you can tell it. There's a lot of collaboration between both of them because, I mean, you know, Yoshida Minako's 
lyricism is probably some of the most uh, amazing. Uh, she's an amazing lyricist, an amazing uh, singer. And, you know, you can mm -hmm. tell that it was a collaborative effort. And she really, you know, she adds a lot of flavor to a production and to mm -hmm. a song. And um, I think maybe, you know, she'll be one of the episodes we talk about in right. the near future. But she was with him for a while, too. Like, mm -hmm. were they together? You no, know, like, you know, I was like, you know, it's like, so they... <laughs> Yeah, they were dating for a short period of time, from what I understand. But like you know, so he had her, her as her like songwriting, like lyrics, right partner, to, like you know, until he left the RCA Records. Yeah, but like you know, she she was definitely like an important character to his, like you know, songwriting, like you know because. His his lyrics definitely like I I, I talked about this earlier too, but like you know he his lyrics writing have a diff have a big influence from Yoshida Minako-san. Like you know, yeah. if you don't really pay attention, like you know, like it, it, you don't you it it, it does it almost seems unnoticeable. Right, but I I feel like you know Yoshida Minako adds a certain edge. And I think maybe that's a part of her character because mm. she's always been kind of like an edgy, in my opinion, like an mm. almost like an edgy Japanese artist. And right, she, right. She makes him more like, you know, uh, almost like, um, uh, not like extreme, but she adds a more like uh, sharpness to him. Right. Well, like, you know, she was the first Japanese artist to have a dreadlocks hair and oh, really? like you know put it on like that's on that one album yeah. uh oh she it looks like she's like swinging her head in motion in motion that's mm -hmm. the one mm -hmm. yeah that's a, that's a really good one and you know we're gonna talk about uh you know all about yoshida minako in, a, in sure. one of our future episodes so right. you know be on the lookout for that as well I, like you know he's not as known as like you know, in Yamashita Tatsuro san and Takeuchi Maria san, but like he, she, she definitely had her own thing going too, and and like you know, she she oh, was yeah. like she was like definitely like master of own, her own craft. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, she uh, like I said, she has a discography that's really amazing. She has some songs that are like bangers, like songs that you play them on a dance floor and like it gets destroyed. Like I played some of her stuff in Chicago here uh, mm -hmm. and like people just are just, the mind, your mind is blown because there's sirens, there's explosions. Like she's, <laughs> she really does not like hold back and right. uh, you know, she was in New York for a while yeah, right, so you can right, tell right. that she has that edge. Yeah. But again, we'll, we'll talk about her she, another She's definitely day. a queen. You're she's right. definitely another queen for sure mm -hmm. but, uh, aside yeah. from yeah. Takeuchi Maria. Yeah, but like right on time is I, I've seen like when like when you played in Murasaki like you know we would have like when, when you when you play in Murasaki like you know Murasaki gets packed and a, a lot of the crowd they're they're mostly your fans but like you know whatever like some ra random walking comes in and sitting down and and you play right on time they're mm -hmm. like ooh like you know, this is yeah. a good song like you know like I you, you know, that's how you can tell it's a good song, like, you know. Oh, for sure. Every, like, you know, like, when you play, dude, when you DJ at Murasaki, like, you know, everybody loves City Pop, and that's great, but, like, you know, like, you know, you know it's a great song, and it translates, like, you know, culture and language barrier. Like, when you see, like, some random walk-ins, they don't even, like, you know, they don't even know, like, Murasaki serves sake and or like japanese culture but like they're like whoa this is a cool music like yeah. they're like bobbing their head and like you know i, I, I love watching those oh and people mm -hmm. always if i don't play right on time it's not a city pop night <laughs> people will come up to me oh, man, yeah. and they'll be like uh can you play right on time i'm like of course uh, and just, if i tell them i already around. played they're like can you play it again <laughs> right, 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 <laughs> I'm like, all right why not right you know, it's 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 uh Murasaki. <laughs> right like i want to keep people happy and uh you know i'm gonna quick Quick plug here, you know, I'm having my two-year City Pop oh, yeah. anniversary at uh, Murasaki Sake Lounge mm -hmm. in Chicago. Um, so it's limited availability. There's about 15 seats per uh -huh. show. There's two shows on in that night. It's happening October 24th. It's a Saturday. Okay. So if you want to come and experience a, a City Pop vinyl night, I have all these albums that we've been talking about on vinyl. So if mm -hmm. you want to come and listen to them and, you know, get a good feel of City Pop and Tatsuro Yamashita and, you know, his mastery and the moves that he creates, I'm going to be playing a lot of his music. So, you know, look on... Um, 
look on my website or you can look on my Facebook page as well. Or you can go on um, Murasaki Saki Lounge Facebook page. Murasaki Saki Lounge Facebook or page. Or Instagram. Or Instagram as well. Yeah. So please do come out and, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know, hear some City Pop on vinyl, which is... It's, it's so amazing. You know, talking about it is one thing, but when you listen to this music on vinyl, you know, it has warmth, it has depth, it has mm-hmm. magic to it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you leave feeling almost like more, you know, complete in a way. Yes. And shout out to Murasaki Sake Lounge. It's Chicago's best sake lounge. They have a over 55 sake selection the midwest best sake lounge for sure oh yeah for sure and and they have best whiskey selection japanese cocktails like you know it will be perfect cute servers all the servers are cute Mm -hmm. it's it's an amazing location it's right in the middle of the city so you leave and you feel like you're you know you're in 1980s japan you know it's 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 really like um, it's it's, in, it's a really nice feeling being there. So right. please try and come out to my two year anniversary. Yeah, and, you know you'd love it. Yeah, Thank and you. enjoy the sake and the city pop music. You can ask for more. Like you know, if you're a city pop lover, right? And I, I always play Tatsuya Yamashita, so you'll come and you'll you'll uh, get a good feel about everything we've been talking about. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, yeah, that leads fun. us to yeah. To, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off, but like you know, <laughs> no like. Well, like you know, let let let's get started with the last album. Oh well, I mean, this album you have to admit that it's probably the one of the most popular albums just because of the aesthetic, the artwork mm-hmm. on it is really iconic, and the probably the one of the biggest, probably the biggest uh, city pop song, which mm-hmm. I you know what I'm talking about, right? Yes, for you. Oh, of course, and the 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 song oh, that's the, 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 the oh sparkle. Of course, yes, of course. sparkle Spar- is probably the best city pop song there is. Mm-hmm. Um, right next to like plastic love. Right next to plastic love. I mean, right. everybody knows sparkle, mm-hmm. and it's it's it's. it's it's an incredible song, and I think Yoshida Monaco again was working on on, on uh, lyrics. lyrics with him. Mm-hmm. And you can tell if you you know if you read the, if you could read uh, you know hiragana and katakana, you could kind of tell. Uh-huh. But if you just read even the translated lyrics, you can tell mm-hmm. the power and the depth of these lyrics. Mm-hmm. There's like poetry. It's beautiful. This is the first record that he used. The brown telecaster. I'm not sh- like there's not many uh, live videos of Yamashita Tatsuro-san, but like you know, he doesn't have many big guitar collection, and this is the guitar. This is Sparkle is the first song that he ever used that like he's still playing till this day. Like you know, the guitar that he's holding that like he he only has like one or two guitar on the stage. The guitar that you see like you know from his live show, that's the guitar that he used on Sparkle. Like. And that's the that's his like partner. Like he doesn't switch around guitar. Like you know, after he made this record, like you know, he's using the same guitar since till mm-hmm. now. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this album it was right after you know one of his biggest albums, right on time. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah. it, it's just How like you top that. <laughs> <laughs> right, but somehow somehow he did because at this point, you know, 1982 is when For You came out. So, I mean, analog recording at the time, like the methods were already like reaching their, you know, their end. Like uh-huh. everyone was, uh, you know, moving into other sorts of production styles and you can, you can hear it on, on, on this album because Sparkle, you know, it has that like cutting groove and you can tell that the production style mm-hmm. is way more, uh, you know, like polished. It's right. more sparkly. Yes, it uh, is. It, it has depth. It has powerful. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's, it's sonically just pleasing. And right. you can tell that. Right. Like after Ride on Time, Yamashita Tatsuro-san <laughs> earned a lot of money. And like, you know, he, he started making writing songs and making records in the studio he would just rent out the studio and like you know he pushed the boundary what you can do inside a studio like in i think he's one of the first artists in like japan that started like you know making record in the studio just like cooking and like you know making something astounding Mm -hmm. basically all right i mean you can tell there's so many influences on this album Mm -hmm. it's just like 
amazing i there's almost like a samba thing in love love talking like a samba disco sound and yes. love talking was uh and it's funny because this is one of the first uh songs that i heard from tatsuro and so this is why when i made the first city pop um mix on sound on youtube and this was the very first mix on youtube that was just city pop and it was the first song is love talking and that's mm. how powerful that song was to me right yeah, the, the Love Talking se- seems like this is a record that Yamashita and Ayama Jun-san and Ito Hiroki-san, they just rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed until they polished it so that, that they can record it perfectly in the studio. They just like, it's almost like acidly, they just like, just worked on it as much as possible mm-hmm. until like, you know, it become perfect. Oh yeah, you could tell right off the bat. I mean, it has that like uh, mid-tempo Isley Brothers mm-hmm. sound. It's like uh, AOR disco. Right. Like it's it's an, it's it's so amazing. Like you can't hear Love Talking and not just like be happy afterward mm-hmm. because it's so it has so much emotion, so much power, and uh, so much groove. It's right. it's probably one of the best songs on this album right. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you know it's. F- as far as like music production standpoint goes, and I think this record is like the it has like the most variety out of his like all the record that he ever done. Like, right? This is like a probably peak Tatsuro, mm-hmm. and um, you know everything after this. Uh, you know Tatsuro is always gonna be a genius, but I think after this album. You know, I, there was no topping it. There was no, there was n- almost like you couldn't get any better. Mm-hmm. It, and even the artwork that like, you know, it's the, you know, the, it's iconic artwork. Like, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, If you yeah. think about like City Pop, I think For You or like Long Vacation from Otaki H-san is like either the picture probably that like, come right into people's Mine. Right, that that album cover mm. is iconic. It's even on the pic the picture disc version of the album. Mm. That's how like uh, you know like iconic it is, and mm. it's by uh, that artist uh, Suzuki uh, Aizen, and uh, he, so he created the art also for uh, Hori uh, Katsumi project. Um, and uh, you know if, if you knew the uh, the early two thousands like compilations to city pop albums, right. uh, Sony released one, BMG, Warner, mm. and Columbia. You know the same artist did the artwork for them, so it might look familiar to you. And actually, right. he recently did uh, one this year for a Sony uh, Sony's new city pop compilation like an actual sony city pop compilation mm-hmm. it's a double cd and it's called summer breeze or something like that right but it uses a lot of the songs that i use in my first summer edition Uh-oh. which i find funny mm-hmm. yeah i mean even pitchfork mentioned that record oh wow yeah that's amazing yeah i mean every song on this album uh i mean i i love everything a music book especially is is a really sentimental music one book and i think maria takauchi did like a cover of it also mm. Mm-hmm, but I, I mean, need to check it out. Yeah, it, it's an amazing album, and uh, and as for you, I mean, it, it's definitely for yeah. us. It's for everyone. It's, everyone loves this album, and mm-hmm. uh, if you're wanting to get into city pop, and, and there's one album that you can listen to, I think for you is yes. probably the one to listen to. It'll get you hooked forever. Mm-hmm. This is this will be a great entrance for. Like, you know, people who are not familiar with City Pop. Like, if you want to listen to City Pop, listen to For You. This is City Pop. Yeah, and uh, um, I think, I can't thank, you know, Tatsuri Yamashita enough for this album because it changed my life the moment I heard it. Mm -hmm. Because this is what made me start doing City Pop mixes. Right. So. Yeah, Yamashita Tatsuro-san. Like, you know, I think it's because of you and, like, you know, that was happening online. Like, I, I again like I, I think I mentioned this briefly from last episode, but like uh, if you're Japanese, everybody knows like you know you, you will probably know one or two of his song. Like everybody knows him, but like you know I was kind of like a casual fan, but like last few years because of the rise of the you know popularity of city pop, like you know I got really hooked into it, and this happened last few years, and I'm in. I'm in my mid-30s now, and, and I didn't even expect to have a musical influence to me, like, you know, after 
my 30s, like, you know, I, I feel like the you know, musician don't really, you know, get, well, I, mean, I might be wrong, but like, you know, I, I noticed like, you know, like in early 20s, during, during teens, those are the time that you kind of develop your music taste. Of and course. like, you know, like, you yeah. know, you kind of create your, you know, base of your like, you know, music, in, like, you know, how you gonna create music, but like, you know, in my 30s, I found like city pop. It like it definitely changed how I create music. Like you know, it, it it makes me proud to be Japanese that there's actually a music that like you know resonates, like you know all across this planet basically. Mm -hmm. So like I'm I'm I, I'm I'm glad that I'm Japanese and like you know, and I'm I'm proud that like you know Yamashita Tatsuro san is like you know j Japanese artists that like you know resonate with this whole planet i'm glad you're japanese yeah. too. <laughs> i mean uh it's i've always been a huge admirer of japanese culture ever since i was young so i mean it's 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 beautifully po poetic that i was able to discover city pop mm. um uh, which was a fusion of things that i had already liked i loved vinyl records i loved 70s and 80s funk music and mm -hmm. i love japanese culture right. so when all these things came together right. it was like ah, like uh, like almost my calling like i was like uh, well i need to do this i need to do this i have this you know mission ahead of me where i have to do it and mm -hmm. you know i went out not knowing how people were gonna receive it and i went to you know uh, i was i was thankful to have a friend from mm -hmm. the japanese culture center uh in chicago introduced me to june sun mm -hmm. uh one night at, at murasaki mm -hmm. and he was really skeptical and because I didn't know how he was going to receive a Westerner, like saying, oh, right, you know, right, right. I play Tatsuro Yamashita, I play this. And he, I remember one thing he told me, he's like, oh, I have other DJs who play Tatsuro Yamashita. I was like, oh, okay, well, I mean, I'll play for free one night and you let me know how it goes and we'll take it from there. And at the end of the mm -hmm. first night that I played, he came up to me and he said, you know, you're hired. So right. I, and I had been playing there for two years and that's going to be on October 24th yes. of next month. Yeah. I'm gonna be there. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 people should come up and Please say hi do. to us. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> come, come out and uh, enjoy some music, and um, you know, celebrate two years of city pop uh -huh. in Chicago, and uh, and this you know revival of uh, this beautiful kind of music that is you know flourishing almost 30, 35 years mm -hmm. or so after it was created, which in itself is something so you know amazing yeah it, it it makes me hopeful i mean it makes me wonder there must be other great music that are out there because after over 20 years city pop is really like it's coming back again so like it's it's really it makes me really hopeful about what's gonna happen in the music in the future even though this whole COVID thing is happening right now but like you know I'm I'm really happy to talk about this music to the people who love this genre. Yeah, I think it's an important topic and uh, it, it's something that it's going to keep growing and uh, I don't think this music is going to die. I remember saying that in a documentary thing that I did, mm -hmm. but it, uh, th 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 it's timeless music. The, the rhythms, mm -hmm. the melodies, the tones, mm -hmm. the harmonies, these aren't things that go away. They uh, go out of trend, but then they come back. Yeah, it's an established genre, I think. It's like house music or hip-hop or, or like you know, reggae. Like, you know, it's like an established sound. Like, it, it's a complete music genre. Like, you know, they, they, it definitely has its aesthetic. Definitely does. It has its even flavor. Visual, even visually and mm -hmm. artwork and all that. Fashion. Even. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, it's its own thing now. There's mm -hmm. there's Vaporwave, there's Future Funk, mm -hmm. and now there's City Pop. And, uh, you know, uh, both of those genres borrowed mm -hmm. so much from City Pop. Because right. City Pop had that much to give. Mm -hmm. And uh, it still has more to give. And it's going to keep growing. And I'm so excited to keep talking about yes. this topic with you. And mm -hmm. I think... That probably brings us to the close of our second episode. Uh, I can't believe this is already our second one. I know. I, I feel like it went really quick. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. time has been going, you know, so quickly nowadays. Mm -hmm. Like, time is way more abstract, I think. <laughs> um, and so sure. I think that's, we're gonna, you know, uh, leave it at that, right? Yeah, well, should we mention about who we're gonna talk about next episode? Well, the queen of City Pop. The I think everyone knows who that is, and I don't, we don't even need to mention we're, it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. There's so much to talk about. Right. Uh, you know, she has a huge discography. Mm -hmm. She had an algorithm mm -hmm. that started her whole thing. Like, mm -hmm. you're, you're gonna love this yeah, we don't need next to episode. Yeah, it's it's unspoken, yeah. and um, I think we're gonna leave it. You guys it. already know. <laughs> and you're gonna, it's gonna be an amazing episode. I can't wait to talk about her. Mm -hmm. And so that leaves us uh, to our uh, ending theme by um, Mika San, Mika San, Mika Bridge Book, uh, Mirai. It's an amazing song. It's and amazing. look up Mika Bridge Book. She's a, an amazing singer, amazing vocalist, and she's in a cool band with Philadelphia. Like um, I can't thank her enough. So uh, Yuki, do you wanna sign us off? Yeah. Well, people, thanks for listening to Mayonaka Hour. Oyasuminasai. Oyasuminasai. <laughs>